If you have your Bible with you today or your Bible apps on your phone, go to Psalm chapter 2. I've been reading the second Psalm as our starting point each of the last several weeks in my series called The Stand. You believe the Lord's going to speak to you today? Did you pray that way? If not, hurry up. Not too late. I'm about to start. I ask the Lord to minister to you. I want to read it again. Psalm chapter 2, verse 1. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointing. Everybody say, that's dumb. dumb. (laughs) You have to participate. You can say dumb in church. That's dumb to do that against the Lord and his anointed. Saying, verse 3, let us break their bonds. Uh, in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Uh, That verse reads in the New Living, let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. Message Bible reads, let's get free of God. (laughs) How many many know that's dumb? (laughs) So just uh, say, I don't want to be dumb. Well, just don't ever say stuff like that. But that is the, the... the, the cry of some. And uh, verse four is God's response. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. And so uh, I've been sharing this message. I believe the Lord inspired me. I, I mean, I constantly seek the Lord, as you know, as to what to say and what to do in these services. And don't take it lightly. This is your valuable time. I want uh, you don't to represent the Lord accurately, and uh, not only that, but to say what He wants me to say in the moment. Uh, the Word of God's always true for all people, you know, all time. Uh, but, uh, but at the same time, there are things that the Lord will breathe on in any given moment, and so we want to be in tune with Him. Amen. When the cloud moves, we want to follow it. Yeah, and uh, yeah. and so I've been talking to you about. Uh, this, our response, and, and how there are those that rage against the Lord, against us, and I've been talking to you about taking a stand. Now, now we, uh, we speak, really, you know, figuratively, we speak in multiple ways. We speak with our lives. We also speak with our words. We use our mouths, and, and, and both of these are essential, okay? Uh, we are to live as uh, are, are godly as godly examples to those who observe us, and we are also supposed to speak up whenever we can. All right, we don't want to substitute one for the other. You know, where some people are speaking and other people are just living it. All right, we're all to do both of of these. Uh, the one who speaks it but doesn't live it, eh, they they bring reproach on the body of Christ. And how many know? Uh, those people, the rest of you want them to be quiet, right? If you're going to speak it, if you're going to say so much, line your life up with it because you give, you give us a bad name. So <laughs> I guess some need to hold their tongue for a minute, you know, till you can get it right. Uh, but at the same time, uh, there are those who live it and we applaud that. I applaud anyone's, you know, holy life and living up to standards and so forth, uh, but they don't say anything. And some have the, have the belief that, that we are called just to be an example and we shouldn't ever actually talk. 
or we're not required to say anything. We just live as a, an example for people to follow. And how many know that's, that's a ditch as well? Did, did you know that's a ditch? Uh, the Lord didn't tell us, don't ever say anything. Just live, live Jesus before them. Okay. No, that's not a verse. In, in fact, uh, it is uh, not the prescribed way of God getting the message of hope and help and healing and the gospel uh, to the world. It, it, his method is preaching. Did you, you know that? His actual method, uh, it, it is, you know, through the foolishness of the message preached, not just lived. So I don't want to just live. I also want to talk. If I, uh, uh, again, if I live my life the right way, that gives it substance, but I don't give any, I don't give people any faith because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I've actually got to say something in addition to my, to, to my lifestyle. And so when I, when I read this passage here about, uh, the nations raging, um, the t- rulers taking counsel together against the Lord. Why would they do that? Why would anyone speak out against a God they can't see, against a God they can't know? It doesn't make any sense. The only reason they would be so stirred up to do that is because people who claim the name of the Lord, people who say they know him and walk in his ways, are doing the speaking. They are the ones living a certain way and declaring certain things. Other, again, you see the point here? Otherwise, people would be, uh, why would they even bother saying anything against? Against the Lord. Why would they say his ways are bondage? We don't even think he's there. But people are representing God. So, in a, in a kind of a weird way, we want to give an excuse for people to rage. I mean, I don't want them to rage, you know what I'm saying? I'd rather them yield. But at least I want to have them, I want to give them something to respond to. I don't want to give them silence. And the silence of God's people is a big problem. Yeah, we're not to be quiet. If you know something, <laughs> then you should speak up. Have you been to the, to the airport in recent years where they advertise this all over the place? If you see something, say something, right? What are they trying to do? They know that their security and uh, law enforcement is limited, right? They got their cameras around, they got their people, but they're not gonna catch everything. They're not gonna see everyone. So they're trying to enlist the help of the general population and say, listen, you guys help us. And if you see something that's, you know, someone walking in with a bomb or something, uh, tell us about that so we can stop them. They know they need more voices. Yeah. Likewise, in the kingdom of God, it is also this way. God has enlisted some of us to do this full time. There's a call a five-fold ministry. Uh, but most people, most Christians are not pastors. They're not prophets. They're not evangelists. They're, they're, they're believers. And, and what's the message to them? Not just sit and listen. But if you know something, I change it from see, you could say see in the sense of perceive or have revelation. But if you know something, speak up. Say something about it because uh, some of us aren't gonna get to everybody. We don't have that ability. Some people are gonna slip through the cracks and not hear what they need to hear. 
So if you know something, if you know the Lord, if you know his promise, if you know his word, you've got to say something too. Yeah, it is about living it, but it's also about saying what we know we have to say something. We kind of have to live out loud, right? Don't live quietly, live out loud. It's, um, you know, I was thinking, thinking about how we end our, our, our services on Sunday mornings. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll do this in a, in a few minutes here as well. Uh, but, you know, I give an opportunity for people to be saved, and I call them to make a decision. I, it's like I ramp it up and say, okay, now decide. I've given you a few minutes to think about this. Now choose right now. Well, I want to think about it. Okay, think. Okay, now choose. <laughs> right? You see how I try to bring them to a point and say, choose right now. Because you might say, well, why do you do that? Why do we do that? Because... Uh, people don't make a choice if we don't ask them for one. We don't confront them with the gospel. They just, they just kind of stay in neutral. And it's unfortunate that uh, many churches in our, in our day, at least in our country, they don't push people hard enough. That might sound wrong, push people. I, I, don't, I don't mean that in a wrong way. I just mean bring them to a point where, they're, where they, they decide. And, and too many times I've had, I, I've had uh, individuals talk to me about... Um, about how few uh, pastors these days, at least in our country, are actually doing that. People come to their church, and some of them come for years, and they're just not saved. And they just assume, well, we're living it in front of them, and they should know what to do. And really? They should just know, just kind of figure it out on their own? How about instead of just, you know, instead of just maybe occasionally drawing them a map and showing them how to get there, how about you just walk them over there? Because so many people are open to that. They want this. They just don't know how. And, and, and I, I was told about uh, uh, one church, they said in, in California, a uh, number of years ago, they a large church, and they wouldn't do what we, you know, give a salvation call, an altar call. They wouldn't be aggressive with that until one day the pastor decided to do that. He had, you know, seen someone else do it and you know, uh, in similar fashion to what we do here. And so he decided to do that, and 500 people got saved. <laughs> Obviously, they had, you know, a few thousand, but 500 people got saved. You know what he did after that? He said, I'm going to keep doing this. <laughs> but there's this idea that you just kind of leave it out there and people are making a make up their own mind and do what they're going to do. That's not the prescribed method we see in scripture. It's tell people about it and say, okay, now do something with this. Tell it to it strong enough where it's either going to annoy them or they're going to get saved. Yeah. And I've covered that already with you, how we don't want to just have a bland message. We want to have something really, really strong. Uh, this is something that Paul said to the Corinthians. It's 2 Corinthians 3, 2. He said, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Let I me mean, know what an epistle is. That's the wife, wives of the apostles. Right? The apostles and the epistles. No, no, no. No, no. You got the apostles and then you got them when they're upset. Then they're... And they're the epistles. No, no, that's not right either. Okay, an epistle is just a letter, all right? 
Sorry, I, I just have to have fun with these. Uh, he said, you are our letter. You're, you're our letter of recommendation. Here's what the Passion Translation reads. You, for your very lives are our letters of recommendation, permanently engraved on our hearts, recognized and read by everybody. So he said, you are that letter to everybody else. Likewise, we could say it this way, that we are God's letter to the world. If you're saved, if you've received the Lord Jesus, you are a love letter from God to the world. Yeah, you're being read. How many know you are being read? We should make ourselves a good read. Yeah, and represent him well. And, and this is the way that it is. However, in order for people to be saved, they still need to hear because faith comes by hearing. And so uh, I want us to not back down in these times, but to speak up, all right? We're not to quiet our voices. And, and if you get opposed, and if people through various means try to silence Christians, uh, that's our, that's our, our dinner bell, <laughs> That's our wake-up call. If you're ever being told to shut up, you said the wrong thing. Because now I'm just going to be bolder. Amen. I'm not going to ask the Lord to silence all their voices. I'm going to ask the Lord to make me bolder. And that's the way we want to be. It's, it's, it's the will of God. I want to show you an example of someone who I think didn't speak up enough. And you've probably heard of him. He's a guy named Lot. And uh, if you would, turn over to Genesis 19. So Genesis is the first book in the Bible, um, and I want to read to you from Second Peter before we read in 19 over there together. In Second in Peter, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 6 through 8, it says this, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. And delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Okay, so Lot is called a righteous man, which will be, seem bizarre in a moment. Uh, but called a light, righteous man, but he's just sitting there taking it all in. He's listening. He's watching this stuff every day. His soul is being tormented. And I could just tell you up front, he's not really pushing back like he ought to. He ought to get out of town or say something. All right. And he was one just being silenced by the mob, silenced by everything around. And you got to watch out what you see and what you hear regularly. Okay. Nowadays, it, you know, you may not live in the middle of it, and maybe you do. There are, there are those situations. But so, too many times we're letting, the, we're letting too much filthiness come into our homes through that screen. And we would never go in there and look in someone's window and see what they were doing. But we bring that window and we tune it in and just watch. You know, and that stuff will mess with your soul. It'll mess with you. You're, st you're still righteousness of God in Christ, but it'll torment you. And it'll cause conflict inside of you. There'll be something missing, something lacking. Okay, Genesis 19, I want to read some of this, uh, beginning in verse 1. Uh, now two angels came. Did you know the story? I don't want to assume you know the story. God talked to Abraham about judgment was about to come in this area. And there was the whole prayer, and it ended up there wasn't even uh, 10 righteous people there enough to save it. And so his prayer of intercession uh, didn't go far enough, and so judgment was coming to the wickedness of these cities. 
okay. Now, that, now two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Here now, my Lord, please turn into, into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. I don't know if he fully knew that these guys were angels. Obviously, they looked like regular dudes, right? And they, and, and, and they said, no, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly because he knew what was out there. I added that part. So they turned into him and entered the house. Then he made them a feast and baked on leavened bread, and they ate. How many know we get to eat in heaven? <laughs> now, therefore, they lay down... Uh, the men of the city, now, excuse me, now therefore, now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, and all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. How many know that's not good? You know what that means? Yeah, you know what that means. Okay, these guys are visiting, and they say, hey, fresh meat, you know. Here we got some new dudes. Let's get in there and rape them, basically. Horrible. So Lot went out to them uh, through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and said, please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. Everybody say, ew. How many know Lot's messed up? Righteous Lot is messed up. And they said, stand back. Then they said, this one came in, he, in to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. What are these guys saying of the city? Oh, you're judging us. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands and pulled lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. All right, you get a picture? <laughs> well, these guys are already in some kind of uh, sexual rage and uh, just being nasty and just trying to force themselves. And then the angels say, take, take away their sight. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're still, and they're still just trying to get in. Dude, you're blind, give up. And they're still trying to press their way in. They got real issues here. And, and, uh, and, and it goes on to say, uh, did I read verse 11? Yeah. Okay, and immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around, uh, and he went around seeking. Uh, excuse me, I am reading. I'm sorry, I'm reading wrong. Okay, I read. I finished that part. All right, and so uh, Lot here is in the New Testament called a righteous man. Of course, he's Abraham's nephew, and he went down there to live in the middle of the wrong place. There's a reason he was there, and and it wasn't a good reason. I don't want to go too far in, into that, but. This is what you can see can happen even to a righteous person who allows themselves to just take in from day to day all the wickedness around them. They don't take a stand. They don't speak out. 
They don't raise their voice. They end up participating. They end up letting that stuff get in their own behavior to where he would even you know, offer up his daughters in this, in this situation. It's like, how could you even go there? Why would you even think that? And how many know, uh, if we don't watch ourselves, we could, any one of us could end up doing stuff that we would never imagine that we would do. Yeah, and, 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 and what needs to happen is, is that righteous people need to speak up. Righteous people need to have something more to say in the culture in which they live. These guys should have known ahead of time. We're not going to Lot's house. He's not going to let us in. He's not going to participate. He's not going to give these guys up, right? The angels. He's not going to give. He's not going to. They should have known that. He should have been more bold in his stance for God. And I tell you, people ought to know where you stand. Amen. They ought to know how kind you are and how forgiving and loving and merciful and unbendable at the same time. Yeah, there's certain lines I just don't cross. Certain things I just won't do. It ought to be known. In other words, we're not just trying to to blend in. If anything, we want to stand out. Amen. And so these, uh, what happens is they begin permitting atrocities to uh, appease the ungodly who pressure them. This is what Lot, he started allowing more and more stuff. Why? The mob wants it. They want this thing to happen. And, and that's how the, the, the system works. The process usually goes like this. You see it and hear it from day to day and you fail to address it by saying anything, by proclaiming truth, and then ultimately you end up participating with the ungodly in their ungodly ways. And if we don't wanna just cut this thing off at the very end, let's start in the beginning by watching what we take in and watching what we listen to. If we're gonna be God's righteous standard in the earth and we're gonna be a light in the, the light of the world and the glory of God being seen through us to those who really need him, then in one sense, can we... Can I say it this way? Let's keep the light pure. I mean, if you're driving down the road and it seems like your headlights aren't working very well, uh, probably one of the first things you're going to do is, is see if there's mud on them. Not that the light is, there's anything wrong with the light itself, but if you've got mud all over it, it doesn't, isn't, isn't able to do the job. And we need to do our job in keeping the mud off. Amen. And so... Uh, there, there are examples in the Word of God. I want to read just a couple of them to you, short, short passages, so we have the full picture. They're not necessarily the primary message, but there is an aspect of God that we should be aware of um, because when taking a stand, uh, it's going to take boldness to do this. And not all the time are our words going to be uh, just appeasing. Sometimes they're going to be a little bit confrontational. All right. Let, let, me, give, let, let me give you uh, an example. This happened to Jesus. Okay. Uh, it says in Luke 13, 31, on that very day, some Pharisees came saying to him, get out and depart from here for Herod wants to kill you. Okay, so it sounds like Herod sent a message trying to intimidate Jesus because he already killed John the Baptist. That didn't work out so well. 
you know, because people liked John the Baptist and Herod was unpopular and yada, yada. And so let's just try to shut Jesus down by threatening his life. And so Jesus backed away and hid and never said anything else. Oh, no, no. Uh, Verse 32, and he said to them, go tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow on the third day I shall be perfected. It's just a, there's just something. Jesus, did you really just say that? Did you really just call him this conniving person? He's threatening you and you're pushing back against the ruler of the land. Yeah, he is. He calls him this fox. In fact, you're prob- you may be familiar. There's uh, two occasions that I know about where Jesus went into the temple and saw what was happening there. It was not being a house of prayer and worship to God. Instead, it turned into a marketplace and people were uh, ripping each other off in their, in their selling and so forth. And he went in there and started flipping tables over. Jesus, you know, Mr. I don't condemn you. (laughs) Mr., you know, we know his message, the kingdom of God. We know how he treated people. And he also, at times, flipped over tables. Money's flying everywhere. Dust are stirred up. People are yelling. And and this is Jesus walking in there. He actually sat down and made a whip. So he's not reactionary. He's not in the flesh. But he's controlled and saying, this is not okay. And he's acting in a very strong manner for all to see. And everyone goes... Oh, so Jesus does this too. <laughs> yeah, he does. In, uh, turn with me, if you would, Acts 13. Got a few more minutes? I got a lot to say, so I'm going to go quick. Acts chapter 13. This is another one of those passages people sometimes just read quick or don't know it's there. Acts 13, verse six. Now, when they had gone through the uh, island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, verse seven, who was with the compound, with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them. So the guy wants to hear the gospel and he's trying to stop them from, him from hearing the gospel. Withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, watch now, he's not in the flesh, it's not a fleshly response, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, Oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? This is Paul. Remember Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 13? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love never boils over with jealousy. This is Paul. So he knows the love walk. He knows the gospel is a good news message, Right? He's not, a, he's not a message of judgment. That's not the gospel. But yet when someone stood, was standing in the way of another person receiving it, it's like, oh, you got the wrong guy here. He was also not a pushover. He was not someone to be, to be messed with. And this is a big problem. He goes on to say, and you can see the Lord is helping him here. 
And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Now look, look at the response to this. Verse 12, then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. I wonder if some of us need to be astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Think, ah, I didn't know the Lord would work this way. Now, how many know, if you want him in your life, he is good to all who will call upon him. I mean, salvation is, is at the fingertips of anyone on the planet. You call on the name of the Lord, you're accepted. You will not be cast out. And you stand in the way and you start hindering other people from coming to him, you're on dangerous territory. But I want you to see that with Jesus, with Paul, they would have this within them as well. It was this tenacity. It was this strong stance that says, well, we're not going to bend on this. And you are playing with fire here, so back off, buddy. It, in, I'll tell you one more example. In Acts 8, Samaria received the word of God. Great miracles. Many people were saved. Then, then they got baptized in water. Then Peter and John came and they got filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, this guy, Simon, who got saved, but Simon saw people being filled with the Holy Spirit and he thought, oh, this is awesome. Because he was a formerly into, you know, sorcery and all that kind of stuff and doing, doing miracles, but from the devil. And he saw these people getting filled with the Holy Spirit and he said, I want to do that too. And so he offered him money. He said, I'll pay you. Give me this gift. And Peter responded to him. He didn't say, well, how much? How much you got? Oh, that's so wonderful that you want to be used of God like that too. Let me just lay my hand on you. No, no. Here's what it says. It's Acts 8.20. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. And he speaks out very bold and very straightforward to, to Simon there. And, and this is also a part of who we are. Yeah, there is opposition. And if your heart is open to the Lord, come on in, receive and be saved. And if you try to, to, to pervert the ways of God, you're on dangerous territory and you're, you're setting yourself up for a rebuke or maybe worse. And so this backbone needs to live in us as well. I don't mean we're gonna go around start calling down judgment on people. That's not a right heart. But I tell you, there is a stance that we have that says this is the ways of the Lord and we're not gonna be silent about it. We're going to let our voices be known. Amen? Paul, Paul said, behold the goodness and the severity of God in Romans 11. The goodness and the severity of God. Well, who gets the goodness? Well, anyone who wants it. Who gets the severity? Well, those who resist the goodness. Amen. I want to read, uh, in finishing today, I want to read a prophecy. It's kind of long. I, I just selected parts of it uh, from Kenneth E. Hagan in 1987. Many legitimate prophetic voices speak things way in advance. In the scripture, sometimes it was like hundreds of years or thousands of years in advance, right? And uh, this is what he said. It was a prophecy about the last days. 
about the very end. Okay. He said, this is the time of restoration. This is the time of visitation. The time of fresh renewing and outpouring. And so the visitation of the Lord shall be greater in these days than it was yesterday. And the manifestation of his power and glory shall be 100-fold more than it was yesterday. Manifestation of, the, of supernatural miracles shall increase 100-fold more than we've known in the past. The glory of God shall be seen upon the face of many, and many without a word being spoken, just looking upon the face of the man of God shall fall down in repentance and cry out unto God. Members of that body enhanced by the Spirit on fire and maintaining the glow, men and women in the world shall look upon their faces and fall down and say, I don't know what makes me do this. The enemy goes about like never before, knowing that his time is short. Thou shalt know and thou shalt share. And those who know how to pray will rise up in this hour and then intercede and the forces of darkness shall be driven back and the evil spirits and the powers of the enemy that would encroach on the things of God and the people of God would be driven back. And so it is that the church shall stand tall in this hour and shall stand big in this hour and rejoice in his power. I looked, I looked, I looked, and I saw the hearts of men, and oh, they were disturbed and perplexed. And I saw a black, dark cloud rise up from the eastern part of our nation, and it came out of the capital of our nation, and men responded unto that darkness that arose and walked with it. And that darkness began to envelop this very land. But oh, oh, the hearts of many that know God sensed in their spirits and those of us that stand on the horizon of time shall sound forth a word of warning and so there shall arise the mighty ones those called of God separated unto him and they shall make intercession and the light shall shine and drive back the darkness and evil and wicked men shall fall and there will be those and remember it was told unto you in advance it was told unto you years in advance advance, there shall be those in high places who will fall down dead. And some shall say, oh, uh, they, they would have made such a great leader. I cannot understand. But those who know the voice of the Spirit shall rejoice and be glad, for ye shall know the dark, that darkness has been stayed, and the hand of the enemy has been defeated. And the word of the Lord that is to be consummated in those few short years to come will be consummated and the work of the Lord shall be done. And so that work which shall be done in this hour and the, uh, and the visitation of the Spirit and that revival that is about to burst upon you shall surely come to pass. And many, 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 as the world would say, hordes of people shall be swept into the kingdom and even in places of this earth of seemingly uttermost darkness, the light shall shine and men and women shall rise up and exercise the authority that's theirs on the earth. And you shall enter into a new day, a new age, not a new age as man thinks, and you shall see that there shall be a manifestation at the end of this age a portion, a measure of power, the glory that shall be manifested in the age to come. 
And you approach that time now, for these are the times of refreshing from the hand of the Lord, from the presence uh, uh, of the Lord, and the time of giving from the hand of the Lord, and the time of manifestation by the Holy Ghost and the glory of the Lord. So rejoice and be glad. Let not your hearts be sad, neither be pessimistic, but rather you look forward to the future with optimism, with gladness and love, for the light has shined and the glory is revealed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I just want to end with that. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for working in us now.